Hey guys! Hey! <laughs> Today it's Michelle and Seamus. Seamus. Yeah, Bridget has laryngitis, so, so she has nothing to contribute. <laughs> um, today we thought we would talk about a topic of how your dog will, how you could guide your dog better in adapting to life changes, you know, as you kind of progress. That could be moving, that could be having kids, that could be dating and marrying somebody um, that could be um, cohabitating with somebody who also has a dog so any big transitional periods or life changes that could happen mm -hmm. um, and we figured first we'd talk about why it's important to try to plan for those things and have kind of an idea of how and what your dog is going to need to be successful through those periods right so um you know, in terms of especially planning to have children and stuff, it's something that you can preemptively kind of get ahead of that and not make it a last minute kind of as we as we go kind of thing, you know. Um, <laughs> like, I'm nine months pregnant. Right. What do I do? <laughs> yes. Like, oh, let's try to do it now um, because obviously your hands are going to be very full, but you're going to be very busy and stuff. So having the time prior to having your child and everything is is very important. So um, kind of working on small little things in terms of training, whether it be duration or just certain commands with on the walk, if you're going to be working with the strollers and stuff like that, you know, um, those are my, the first things that at least come to my mind, you know, with, with kind of working on stuff prior to the baby. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the biggest key component to being successful in any of these situations is just training your dog as soon as you get it. Well, yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> because, a good, that's a fair point. <laughs> because I think like any of these situations in an ideal world, all of this stuff could either happen when you plan it, which mm -hmm. would be ideal, right? You plan to move somewhere, you plan to have a child, you plan to cohabitate with someone, whatever. But there's also many circumstances where maybe this stuff just has to happen, yeah. like immediately. Yeah. Um, so in that case, you do have a shorter time frame to try and prepare your dog for it. And mm -hmm. if they're not even have a good foundation of training to begin with, then you're already kind of out of luck, or yeah. at least you're at a much bigger disadvantage. So I think that planning in advance where I've had many clients come and they're like, we plan on having kids in like five years. So we wanted to train our dog now right. and get everything really under control so that by the time that rolled around, we were like smooth sailing, which I think is great. Um, yeah. So as soon as you get your dog, whether it's an adult dog, a puppy, it doesn't really matter. Um, you should always start doing like age appropriate training right off the bat so that then you at least have like the bare bones foundation mm -hmm. of good communication and then you can kind of like specialize that to whatever the life change might be so right. i'd say like maybe in the context of moving mm -hmm. what would be some of your advice Seamus? you think for if you were going to like move and change completely different environments well you know it kind of for me the first things that I think of is, um, you know, you get a dog that is moving into a new environment. There might be some of that separation anxiety um, when you're, as you're moving stuff in or as you're finally moved in. Um, there might be that marking, you know, in the house in a new place, you know, that they want to go and mark around and stuff. So, again, coming at those two big things, I think, working on your distance and that anxiety and dealing with that and stuff um, would be one really good thing to kind of preemptively you could work on even in your living environment before you move and stuff um, as well as you know the marking just making sure that it is very clear where that boundary is of like going in the house is not okay going out of the house is you know mm -hmm. um, now how in terms of like other things Let's see, what else do we have? What are the other like major things you think of moving in? I would say that sometimes it can depend on where you're moving, you know, and what specific true, challenges yeah. you might face. Like if you're going from like more of like a suburban 
home type environment and you're moving to like a city, mm -hmm. like apartments, you know, and, yeah. or stuff like that, you can certainly have big environmental changes that could be different. And in that case, I would take into context like where you're moving, what is going to be different about or have to be different about your lifestyle there and try to like preemptively just shape your current environment so it's like a smoother, less drastic change, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that like crating could sometimes be a big piece for people because yeah. maybe they live somewhere um, and the dog doesn't need to be crated mm -hmm. because they um, the dog's very comfortable in that space and in that environment, whatever. And if they bark sometimes out the windows, it's not a big deal because the neighbors are pretty far away. But then they or move. Or there's less interactions of barking so exactly. they see it less often but when they move to the city and it's more current it'll be more exactly yeah. yeah so yeah. like preemptively just going to back to crating for a little bit can be really helpful because the crate is something that while everything else is changing the crate doesn't always the same always yeah. the same yeah so crate training just in and of itself is super important and that gives your dog a little bit of consistency where they're mm -hmm. like Okay, this is a brand new place, brand new environment, but like I know crate. Yes. <laughs> that if makes I me comfortable. I'm feeling anxious, at least I have this one place where I can kind of exactly. fall Exactly, yeah. yeah, that familiarity yeah, of it and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that overall, that concept of just like remaining consistent for your dog, because mm -hmm. I think as like people, it's very easy to maybe see our dog. I'm sorry. He's out. <laughs> this is killing me. Um, I don't know how I get anything done with this dog around. Um, it's easy to like see the dog struggle with the transition mm -hmm. and feel bad for them. Yeah. And then we almost tend to like compensate for that by yes. like loosening up our traditional guidelines or rules. Right. But in reality, well, this is a new environment, so you know I'll take it easy on you and I'll let you go at your own pace. But then it. They take full advantage of that or exactly. it just gets worse, right? Exactly, or it gets yeah. worse because they're already anxious because mm -hmm. of the transition and the weird stuff that's happening. And then on top of that, we change. Yeah. So literally nothing's consistent anymore or predictable. Right. And then it just kind of spirals out of control at that point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say like moving, it would be like stay as consistent as you possibly can take into account where you're moving and what the lifestyle is going to be like there mm -hmm. and really try to make sure that any of the tools or management techniques or training skills that you need to be successful there, your dog is already prepared for and good at. Right. Um, Another thing I think transferring over kind of what you're saying from more of like a suburban area to city mm -hmm. is walking. You know, yeah, you get a lot, of, definitely. a lot of clients that, you know, they have all these acres and their dog can kind of go and, you know, they can have a little bit more freedom. But if you are transitioning from there to a city where you need to be a little bit closer in that bubble with the come command and stuff and not mm -hmm. as loose, you know, when you're walking around, that is something that definitely taken that into consideration when, when, before you're moving, you know, get them more routine and clean that up a little bit. Oh know? yeah, Definitely. But. Yeah, there's been like adult dogs that have come in where they're, that's literally the exact problem. Mm -hmm. They're like, we never had him on a leash. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and now we live somewhere where he has to be on a leash mm -hmm. and like he, they're alligator rolling and yep, doing backflips. And, and all that. Yeah, stuff it's like well, a yeah. whole thing. So yeah. yeah, that stuff is super important. Right. Um, Something easy to look over, you know. Oh, yeah, so definitely, it's, because yeah. it's not a problem until it is. Exactly. You know, right. and I and think that's... And then it's become a big problem yeah. <laughs> very quickly, you know, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were some other big life changes? We could move to maybe a new relationship. Yeah. Is a new relationship dating somebody? Is, is one thing, but also a new relationship where they also have just any pet in general, whether yeah. dog, cat, you know, if they're not... If, that, if your dog is not has never seen a cat or interacted, that can be a huge yep. difference, you know? Oh, yeah. Especially if there is that, like, prey drive and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, just in terms of just other dogs, socialization, obviously, is super important. From, oh, yeah. From the day you get them, making sure that they're getting that social proper socialization, mm -hmm. you know, so that if they ever are in that situation, that they have a little bit of that ground-level work already of, like, okay, oh, yeah. this is something that we can work on you know yeah or even you start dating somebody and they don't train their dog 
Right. Or <laughs> yep. Yep. maybe they don't train your dog the way that you do or mm -hmm. all that stuff or can kind strict. of cause like turbulence yep. <laughs> in the relationship. Um, so I would say like maybe the, we can start with the context of like you don't live together. You know, right. you're just dating yeah. at this point and you want to be able to have your dogs hang out and, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. I think that depending on your dog's personality, of course, our dog's going to be different, but I'd say like best case scenario, introductions should be done on more of like a neutral space. Yeah. So I, I would agree. avoid, unless your dog historically has done totally fine with dogs coming into your home and stuff like that and they don't mm -hmm. care because there's some dogs like that. Yeah. Um, but that can be an added element that makes it a little bit more testy. Um, so neutral space, um, off leash, of course. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have the ability to have like, a fenced in area that you feel comfortable your dogs aren't off leash trained you can always do like long lines um, to simulate being off leash but you still have the control of the leash if you needed it right. um, sometimes going for walks together and not even letting the dogs interact yep can be I a really good one i think that's a really good like first introduction where yeah it's not this like hyped up because i think a lot of people you know they they know their dog well or whatever but introducing to that new dog they're like okay you know like let's go have them play and then they have this huge <laughs> yeah. rush and that's where most of those fights start is in that first couple seconds of interacting you know so yep. i i do think that the walking is really important and it's just like you know if you are dating something's own it's it's something yeah. good to do you know yeah. um so i think that that is really important for me personally and then getting into the socialization but mm -hmm. Um, no, I agree. And that, that kind of can come into play with, like, not rushing things. Right. And trying to, like, make your dogs, like, best friends right off the bat. Like, mm -hmm. You know, that might not be the best which, thing. Which what you want to happen, but, it, like, like yeah. you just said, it might not be the best thing. Did you and Mal get solely after you were together? Did yeah. you get him together? Yeah. Okay. Because mm -hmm. um, I had Lumos and Cash when I met Tom, mm -hmm. and he had... His two dogs, Barney and Blue, okay. at the time. So we kind of did a similar thing where, and I had the added element where my dog Lumos is people and dog aggressive too. Yeah. <laughs> so that added extra thing. So for our dogs, um, Lumos has always been a little bit more tolerant of dogs than new people, but it was a lot of walking, yeah. you know, just mm -hmm. taking them out at the same time. Tom also did not train his dogs when I met him either. <laughs> so there were all the variables there. Right. Um, it was like two weeks into our relationship. I was like, I either need to train your dogs yeah. or I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It was too much. Um, I obviously trained his dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and we did kind of a similar thing. Kind of took it slow relatively. Um, did individual meetings. Mm -hmm. I think a big piece of that is so like I had multiple That's dogs, he had multiple dogs. It was not like all four of you, mm -hmm. here you go. <laughs> um, it was very much like we had one dog meet one dog and then that dog meet the other dog and then, you know, just one at a time yep. constantly. And then it was like, okay, they're all doing pretty well together. Thankfully, his dogs were pretty, they were probably the nicest of all of them, you know, right. when it came to it. Um, so they were pretty fine, and then over time they just got more and more comfortable and everything mm -hmm. too. So yeah. so you're just taking it slow and stuff. I, yes. I think that's really important too, yeah. Especially, I didn't even think about that, like multiple dogs in a household too, yeah. yeah. You want to do that individually is really important. Mm -hmm. And there's a healthy balance of um, when the dogs do interact, knowing like what is okay with communication wise and what you should let them kind of figure out on their yeah. own versus like what you need to step in with and like because like barney his like hound pitbull mix and mm -hmm. my dog lumos um their first initial interaction was not ideal <laughs> but like nobody got hurt or anything but barney made a, a really silly decision yeah. where he immediately ran over to lumos and just tried to mount him and lumos Corrected him no. for it. Yeah. <laughs> and we let it go because I was like, fair enough. Right. You know what I mean? If right. nobody takes it too far. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Um, and honestly, they're buddies now. But yeah. like that was like the initial thing. And Barney was like, crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Guess yep. I won't do that again. And, and in the same sense, you know, like, yeah, it probably wasn't his smartest idea. But it was something where he learned really quick that mm -hmm. he probably shouldn't do that again. You oh, know? yeah. Well, and Barney so. went to a lot of dog parks growing up. 
and he would do that all the time. Like yep. that was like his go-to move, mm -hmm. <laughs> was just to mount every single dog he met. Yep. So we kind of expected that he was going to try that. And right. again, this comes back to knowing your dogs in these situations. I knew that Lumos was not going to be okay with it and he would correct him. Yep. And I was like, you know, if it turns into something where Barney doesn't take the correction well or whatever, then we'll have to intervene. And I set it up safely and, uh, and everything. But yeah. thankfully, it was like Barney tried, Lumos corrected him, and then that was it. And it right. was over. But that's why it's, again, go, knowing your dogs, it's important to do that individually because I think sometimes people can overthink, you know, and this is why dog parks are, are so scary sometimes because... Yeah, two dogs might be kind of starting stuff or whatever, mm -hmm. and then they get in a fight. But all it takes is that like high intense stimulation, and then every dog jumps in, yes. right? And instead of dealing with two dogs, now you're dealing with four dogs, right? Mm -hmm. So it's something where it's like you really, again, knowing your dog and being like, all right, well, this might be a trigger. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like I get a lot of like clients and stuff that, that think about that in the sense of once I kind of call them out, I'm like, okay, well... If you really think about it, you know what the triggers are, right? Yeah. If you're on a walk and you know, like, okay, that bike is going to be that trigger, right? Yep. Whereas, like, that person just walking, that's fine, right? So it's like, okay, you can be a little bit more relaxed. But when you see that dog or that bike or that trigger, right, mm -hmm. then it's something that we need to be more aware of that, right? Oh, yeah. Take advantage of those teaching moments. That being in a social, I think, is super important <clears throat> as well, you know? Well, and it's important to have those conversations up front, too. Yeah. Like, actually, like, sit down. And be like, okay, like, what's the extent of socialization that your dog has had? How much does mine have? Mm -hmm. How much do we really know about them? Mm -hmm. My dog, you know, like I did with Tom, I was like, he's like, Barney mounts everything. And I was like, Lumos hates that. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to see what happens, you know? Mm -hmm. So that way, at least you're going into it very prepared. You both have a basic knowledge of your own dogs and a little bit of information about the other dog. Right. And so neither of you are going to be taken off guard by like something crazy happening. Yeah. And obviously it's better safe than sorry. If you need to put a muzzle on, put a muzzle on. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think those are, those are really big ones. Um, as well as communication just between like the owners as well. How comfortable do you feel about me bringing mm -hmm. my dog in, you know, and yep. stuff like that. Like, I think that's a, that's a super important thing. Um, and in terms of communicating, you know, kind of moving into you were dating, set, living separately, but now we're starting to like think about moving yeah. in, you know, and together and stuff. It's all right. So, am I going to take responsibility for your dogs too? Or like, are you going to be correcting my dog? You know, like yeah, how did that work sure. out for you guys? Like, so, I mean, obviously me being a dog trainer, like I kind of am just in charge of yeah. the dogs. Yeah. It kind of just took over in that aspect. Um, and he was like, by all means, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know. thankfully he didn't, he was like, did not give me any pushback. I know that there's probably some couples out there that it's like, you know, if you come in and you start trying to, like, change the way they do stuff with their dogs and change everything, that there's going to be pushback because yeah. they live this way with their dogs and you live this way with your dogs. So I think there's definitely, like, a, a way to tactfully, you know, introduce, like, oh, well, you know, when I live with my dog, here's the expectations that I have and I want to make sure we can be on the same page mm -hmm. so that there's not, like, unnecessary conflict with everything. Right. Because... Of course, the decision to move in with somebody is a big deal, and you're going to talk about a lot of different things. At least, hopefully, people are <laughs> right <laughs> before you you're do that. In together, yeah. All right. Um, and weirdly enough, I think like how people live with their dogs and how they structure things with their dogs. A lot of times, it gets left out, and people yep. don't even talk about it. And then all of a sudden, you live with somebody, and you see everything that you know they do that you think is wrong. And I'm sure they're looking at you the same way. Right. And um, then things get really high conflict pretty easily but yeah thankfully Tom was like very open-minded took a lot of like really good direction and information from me and didn't have any issue with it mm -hmm. um, and he was really willing to like learn how to train his dogs and stuff like that so I got pretty lucky in that respect um, with Lumos specifically because he's also like human aggressive with people that he doesn't know let alone somebody who's like living in his intimate space right, right. of like an actual house with him one of the biggest things that I was happy that I did with him even all the way up prior to meeting Tom was 
I tried to live with him in the healthiest way possible, knowing that he had that really, really protective pr propensity about him. Yeah. Because I think what can happen is we live with our dogs single in a completely different way than we'd have to eventually live with them when we're in a relationship. <laughs> and so true. it's like all of a sudden, literally our relationship has to change yep. as well as the surroundings and all the stuff and that goes doing. back to like resource guarding and stuff like that you exactly. know if you don't have that separation with your dog and then now you're moving in mm -hmm. and you're hanging out with your you know significant other on the on the couch or something like that you know some dogs oh, yeah. don't like that you oh know? yeah so it's something where yeah i could definitely see yeah that there's so many clients that are like oh we can't even hug right you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. stuff as severe as that where yeah. they can't even like show each other affection in front of the dog because right. it's like the end of the world. So, yeah. um, I, and what has to be, um, really the way that you address that stuff is like whoever. So like in the case of me, it was obviously Lumos was overly protective of right. me. Right. Um, and again, I, I can train and train and train all of that I want, but like the personality of a Dutch Shepherd is not going to change. Yeah, that <laughs> it's is its breed. Change. That is what he's Yeah, he's like, and, yeah. that's the person, right. and I will I will die for that person. Yes. You know, that's just and how And that he's goes wired. into a whole other topic of knowing The breeds that before. you're getting yeah. and stuff, yeah. yeah. But that's a whole different. <laughs> but, like, so with him, it was, I had to be on top of him all the time. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, even to the extent, I'd say the two incidents, and I think incidents, unfortunately, in a situation, like, with a dog, of my caliber that I had yeah. are going to be somewhat unavoidable because you can't be perfect all the time. Right. You have to mitigate risk as much as you can, yes. but like you can't be perfect all the time. Um, the two incidents that we had with Lumos and Tom were the one was um, Tom like snuck up behind me or something and like surprised no. me or something and like grabbed me and Lumos came up and bit him right <laughs> on the ass. <laughs> Because um, I was like, oh my god! Rightfully so, yeah, uh, yeah, and like he didn't break skin or right, anything. Right, right. He was just like, uh, excuse me, uh -huh. watch yourself. Um, the other time was um, I was like petting Lumos, and he Lumos was like on the couch. I was like crouched down petting him. Tom walked behind me and I think like kissed me on the head or something. Uh, and Lumos was like, boom, you know. Yeah. He, again, he didn't make contact or anything. I I yeah. addressed that. Mm -hmm. um, but, and it was, the important thing is that in those situations, the dog that is, or the person that the dog is guarding needs to be the one that addresses it. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he, Lumos needs to see from me that I'm like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. That behavior is not acceptable. Right. You can't behave that way. Because clearly it's also like, it's like, it's not a dangerous situation right there. So it's <clears> like for you to like turn around and yell at Tom or something. Exactly. Like, it's like, yeah. Like, it's like, he's not trying to. Exactly. Wrong. Yes. Obviously, he's not trying to piss exactly. Lumos off. So yeah, no, yeah. the dog needs to recognize that, like, no, 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 this, there's nothing threatening about this situation at all. You're exactly. just being a dick. You right don't now. get to dictate what goes on. Yeah, know? exactly. Okay. Yep. And over time, obviously, as like you maintain those strict boundaries, um, and you're smart and proactive. Like I did a lot of bed stays with him initially. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because. Before we moved in together, the first time that Tom came over to my house where I was living, I had Lumos like on a bed stay because I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Right. <laughs> so Lumos is on a bed stay at the corner of the living room, and Tom comes in the door, and Lumos is just staring at him <laughs> the whole entire time. Everywhere he went, he was yeah. just looking at him. And he was fine. He was on his bed stay. I wasn't worried he was going to do anything because he right. knew he had to stay there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, from the beginning, he was like, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. So... And that's what I mean is I tried to set those boundaries like right off the bat, right. you know, and I yeah. didn't try to rush the process. I wasn't like, oh, they need to love each other and be best friends yeah. right away. Like he needs, not, if you just let him say hi to you, then he'll be, yeah. then he'll be cool. You know, I get that <laughs> yeah. so much. Yeah. No. And obviously now like Lumos and Tom are like totally fine. Right. Like best buddies. Mm -hmm. So it just takes time sometimes with a specific dog and yeah. you just have to try to mitigate as much risk along the way prepare, do a lot of like the obedience commands to help give them a little bit more management and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that um, I see a little like quite often is, you know, there's sometimes you have one owner that is a little bit more productive or dedicated than yeah. another. Yeah. So that's why I was curious on how you guys kind of dealt with it because if it's something, you know, in that situation of, you know, 
this is my significant other's dog, you know, and he does it this way or whatever. Like, I don't know if I feel comfortable doing it that way or whatever, you know. So it's something that, again, having that communication between each other, like, is super important as well, right? Oh, yeah. If you don't feel comfortable correcting your dog or or having them held on a bedstay or whatever, you have to have that communication with that because Mm -hmm. it's something where it's like, if if it's something where you need to do that, if you're home alone and whatever, you know, there has well, to be that because then that gets into inconsistency and then that can be really confusing for the dog and as well you oh, know sure. so it's something i feel like you either have to be full in or full out well know? and there's there's definitely something to be said too for like as weird as this may sound you don't have to be responsible for the other person's dog if you don't think you're in a place to do that exactly like there was it was like a big chunk of time where like thankfully lumos could come to work with me and yeah. i had I was able to, to keep him with me majority of the time. Mm-hmm. But if I ever wasn't home and I couldn't have Lumos with me, he was honestly just in a crate until yeah. I got home. Tom yeah. didn't really do anything with him, you know, stuff like that. Of course, we had the added element as well with Tom having a kid. So that yeah. was a whole other piece of the puzzle. But, mm-hmm. like, I didn't have Tom do a lot with Lumos because Lumos is not going to... Well, it's like he has layers to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Just because he likes you and he tolerates you to a certain degree does not mean he's also going to take a correction from you yeah. or that he's going to take direction from you well either. Right. So it's like while Lumos really liked Tom, if Tom had to handle him or correct him or have him out in public or took him on a walk and another dog ran up, like there were so many scenarios in my head that I was like, that could go so wrong so fast. Yeah. Because Lumos is just such a specific type of dog, mm-hmm. you know? So those are little things, too, where it was like until I really felt like the relationship that they had was to the point where Lumos would listen to Tom yeah. in a very high-stretch situ- situation, I didn't even have Tom do a lot with him, right. you know, because yeah. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. That's it. That's the, the tolerance and the respect, you know? Yes. It's like, I can tolerate you, but <laughs> yeah. I don't, that doesn't mean I respect you completely, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Whatever. So yeah. I think that's really important as well. But so then, so then that's another interesting kind of thing is, um, is with kids, yes. you know, yes. um, kind of going back to the having the babies and stuff like that, starting from the young age, mm-hmm. you know, first bring the baby home, whatever, you know, my biggest concern that I get from owners, I feel is, is the jumping, you know? Yes. So that's one thing, you know, you should the already be excited interest yeah. and stuff right. like that. Um, you should already be like nipping that out, nipping that in the butt. Um, again, like you were saying, like right when you get that dog jumping should just, regardless of the size of the dog, you know, I think it's yep. something, um, as, and cause that kind of feeds into then the furniture access, you know, I, I had a client a little bit ago that they just had their baby, but their dog just wants to come up and they're fine with the baby. They just want to mm-hmm. look the baby, but then they want to just keep looking the baby. And then they want oh, to yeah. always be in the face. They always want to be in the middle of everything. Yep. And that's where it's just like, again, your hands are full. You're so busy that you should not mm-hmm. have to feel obligated to entertain that dog. Right. Yep. And so I feel like just, again, just the basics, you know, furniture access, making those very clear lines of when I'm, with this baby, you are not dictating, okay, I'm going to come up on my own. Well, and that could go back to even too, like figuring out how do I want to live with a baby and a dog? Like before it happens. Yeah. Because if your your dog has furniture access Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, it's going to be really annoying Mm -hmm. when I sit on the couch and my dog runs from the other side of the room and bulldozes its way up onto the couch, you know, whereas now that's not a big deal. What if I have an infant sitting next to me on the couch? Uh, It's better to start removing couch privileges now and have six months to do that versus right now when you bring the baby home and you're like, oh, crap, like this needs to change immediately. As well as like the resource guard and stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that is my biggest thing as well. You know, with, when I get a dog that has any sort of resource guardian and they have any sort of plans with having kids is get very, very strict with like, we need to focus on this right now because, you know, it's something that down the road, yeah, you know, it's scary and we want to deal with it now, but let's deal with it when there isn't a one or two-year-old kid crawling around and trying to take the dog's toys, right? Exactly, yeah. So that's that 
has always like scared scared me kind of the most with behavioral issue wise. You yes. know, like the jumping obviously, yeah, you don't want the dog like jumping on your kid and stuff. Sure, but sure. But the resource grabbing obviously can lead to a lot more aggression. Yeah, I would say that probably, at least in my experience, the yeah. biggest causes for kids getting bit by dogs is either it's resource guarding issues, mm -hmm. whether it's objects, space, people, whatever, mm -hmm. um, or the dog interacting or the person and the kid interacting inappropriately with the dog. Yeah, you know, Pulling at the hair. Exactly, and, and you have those rare cases where. It's not either, and the dog is just an unsafe dog, right. you know, for them right. to have been around. And that's something but, you have to put in consideration, too. You know, yeah. if you plan on having a kid <laughs> and your dog's already bitten three people, yes. you know, like... There are certain there are certain dogs that if you're going to bring a child into that home, that dog should not live there. Yeah. Honestly. And it's, and there it's is, the hard pill to swallow, but it's, it's yes. very true. Yes. And, um, and there are certain situations where even in the case, this is a little bunny trail, will come back, but like <laughs> maybe you have two dogs who don't get along well. Right. The last thing you need is a kid as collateral damage in the <laughs> middle of that. Yes. You know, if that happens. So either that gets under control and it's very under control, yeah. or again, that might not be the best situation to have a kid. Right. Um, so that that could be a tough conversation to have. Yeah. But all of that aside, I mean, with the resource guarding issues and the inappropriate interactions with the dogs, you kind of have to know, again, it comes back to just really knowing your dog. So all of my dogs, um, at this point now we have four, yeah. have like different tolerance levels with kids. So like I would say Barney probably has the highest tolerance level. Um, his whole life he's just been phenomenal with children. He's... Um, Gonna be fifteen this year. Oh wow! Um, he's yeah. an old man now, but so he's, like he's kind he of is that <laughs> rare dog that you they could literally, honestly, do anything to him, and he's probably never gonna bite. Yeah. Um, and again, I say that lightly because every if it has teeth, it could bite. But truly, like before I met my husband, he wasn't the greatest, you mm -hmm. know, about how the kid, how Owen interacted with um, some of the dogs. So. Yeah. Um, he's obviously, since we've made a lot of changes with that and no one didn't know any better. He was a little guy, right. but thankfully again, the dogs he was with were just phenomenal with yeah. kids. You know, their tolerance level was huge. Um, so that's Barney. And then I'd say the next one would probably be cash. Mm -hmm. Cash is another one. He's, his tolerance level is very high. And if he does get uncomfortable, he's either going to, um, he'll probably growl. He'll slightly growl. Yeah. If he feels like he can't get away, his first option would be to walk away. If he's uncomfortable, he's going to get up and he's going to leave. That's if huge. he's put in a position where he feels like he can't get away, yeah. then he'll growl. And then it becomes my job to somehow, obviously I would catch it before the growl happens, right. but it becomes my job to intervene and make sure that he doesn't feel like he has to escalate even mm -hmm. further because he's like, no one's listening to yeah. me. The flight <laughs> option is completely gone, so now I have to resort to the fight. Exactly, you know? yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. um, and for Cash, when I say like, uh, when times that he would get upset, and this is important too, is there's, there's a line that you need to understand of like, what is an appropriate response from a dog, yeah. right? Where they're upset by a kid's interactions with them and what isn't okay. So like um, a dog being uncomfortable and growling and snapping and going out of their way to be nasty to a kid just because the kid is existing near them, mm -hmm. never okay. Mm -hmm. um, Cash's issues are like, he doesn't like to be hugged. He yeah. doesn't like to have people lay on him. He doesn't like stuff like that. So he's totally fine with kids. They can run around. They can do all that crazy stuff. But as soon as they start like getting into his close, intimate space, he's like, no, 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 no. Yep. I don't like this. So again, if he can avoid it, he will. If he can't, he'll just growl. Um, I would say Snoop's probably next where... He honestly just tries to avoid kids altogether. Yeah. Like if he that. if he can get to know them, like he loves Elf. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously he loves my stepson mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. So he um, once he gets to know them, he's super fine. And it's not like he's even scared of them. He's right. just like, I'd rather not. He's over it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He just avoids. Um, and then Lumos, obviously, I'd say has the lowest tolerance for yeah. young kids. Mm -hmm. um, where he just, if he doesn't Again, he just doesn't like most people in general. <laughs> but um, with kids especially, yeah. fast movements, right. loud noises, loud. Yeah. everything is like sudden and by surprise. Mm -hmm. um, so for him, 
if the kid is not a permanent fixture in my life, and honestly, this is kind of a rule for all of my dogs anyways, but yeah. especially dogs with a lower threshold for kid nonsense. If the kid is not a permanent fixture, then they just don't need to be around the dog. Right. There's no you know? need for that. That's that's my thing. No. Too is you know, that's why the bed stay duration and stuff like that. When guests are coming over, like you know, during the holidays, you know, you're having all the nieces and nephews and yeah. stuff over like that. You know, it, it's something where it's just. This is also something that could kind of be related to this as well. It's like, as much as we need to be responsible for our dogs as well, mm -hmm. you know, we need to be responsible. Or if like if you're in your situation or whatever, like. I'm sure you, you and Tom had that conversation with Owen where it's just like, mm -hmm. these are the lines. Yes. You know, where it's, it's like, I will take response. Like, I am, I'm on my dog. I'm on Lumos. Like, mm -hmm. I will watch him. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you're, you can just go over and, like, try to give him a hug. Right? Exactly. You know, whatever. So I think that is also really important where it's like, yes, as much as we're talking about our dogs and how to take care of our dogs and set them up for success as well, it's like, if kids are involved yeah. <laughs> and they're over, you know, three years old, it's whatever, harder right? to so get a kid to listen sometimes Absolutely. than it is a dog. So it's like this is true, and that's for me. I I have no knowledge in that. So yes. like that that's yeah. a whole different that's a whole different yeah. thing. Well, and but, it's like and and half the time you can't blame the kid. It's a kid. Right. They have like no conscious thought processing that is true. half that is the true. time. Right. Like half the they time the, the stuff they do, yeah, right. they just don't even think about it before they do mm -hmm. it. So it's up to us to have a balance of like a place where they feel safe and it's not like a drastic consequence if they make an innocent mistake. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's why I would never put a kid around Lumos who doesn't yeah. have the cognitive ability to right. control themselves because mm -hmm. it's not like a kid who runs up and is like, doggy deserves to get nailed in the face. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, exactly. No, that's not really fair. Um, so that's where it becomes like a balance. Yeah. And so that just becomes the adult's job mm -hmm. to manage that situation. Should never leave your dogs unsupervised with kids. Right. I don't care. Even Barney, like I was talking about, who would probably like bite himself before he'd bite a kid. Yep. Like you, I would never leave him unsupervised because yep. you just never know what's going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Like when Sully interacts with, with my nieces and stuff, it's, it is always something where it's like, Interacting is a loose word, right? If it's yeah. anything, like, they'll come up and, like, say hi or bye, and they'll pet him and everything like that. Yeah. But other than that, there's really little interaction, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's because it's just not needed, yep. you know? They're doing their own thing. They're having fun. Yep. You know, so you might be in the same room and kind of just watching them because we're in there yep. or whatever. But it's not something where, like, there needs to be that constant interaction. Right? Oh, yeah. And bed stays, like we were talking about, are... A lot of times, even younger-ish kids, when they can start grasping concepts and ideas and mm -hmm. boundaries a little bit better, a bed stay can be great where it's like if the dog is on the bed, don't yep. touch them. Yep. That's a very clear line. It's a very set boundary for the dog and for the kid. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they can coexist together and, you know, the dog gets a break. Sometimes they just get annoyed. Even yeah. the most tolerant dog, sometimes they just need a break. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't want to be around the kids anymore. Again, the loud noises, fast movements, it's it's so stimulating. It can be so exhausting. Exactly. And, and you know, just like being people, you know, you, you get to that point. You know, yeah. You can take a lot, but if it's so consistent, then you're you just need get a break. Yep. Um, yeah, and so that's that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I would say there was an another one where, unfortunately, my stepson had gotten bit by a neighbor's dog. Mm -hmm. Was an incident over resource guarding mm -hmm. again, where um, and my stepson had no fault in this situation whatsoever um, because he was over at their house. They had um, two dogs, a bigger lab-ish type mix, and a little pug, mm -hmm. and. Um, He'd been over there many, many times without incident and everything was fine. Um, and then the one day, and he ignored the dogs. And that's kind of how I've tried to work with him as he's gotten older is just like ignore dogs. Right. You know, they're not a big deal. If you want to pet a dog, pet our dogs. Yeah. You don't need to pet everybody else's dogs. Right. Um, I don't know those dogs. And um, that's another way to keep your kids safe. Just don't let them pet random dogs. Yeah. Even if the owners say that they're nice, they're probably not nice. Yeah. Assume they're all mean. Right. Um, <laughs> So, All it takes is one ear tug. Exactly, right? And so I guess he had asked, like, hey, can I pet your pug? Because the peg was like, hey, hi, hello. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. And so he starts petting him, and the lab mix comes out of nowhere and just attacks him. Bit him multiple times on his back, oh. on his arm, everything. Um, 
you can imagine my response to this. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine. Well, I can't even imagine the. Uh, if I'm glad I wasn't there when it immediate. I mean, I wish I would have been yeah, there, right. but I don't know what would have happened had I <laughs> to been that there. dog. Yeah, yeah, had I been there. Yeah. Um, but and the the parents knew I was a dog trainer too, so I can only imagine what was going through their head mm-hmm. when they're having to walk down to my house and be like, uh, "This is what happened." Yeah. But and that's another situation where my first question to them was, "Why in the hell is this dog around children?" Yeah. Like, and I asked her, I was like, "How many times has this dog done this?" Mm-hmm. She's like, "Well, he does resource guard. We just never thought it would be over the other dog and blah blah blah." And I said. So you know those triggers. Again, yeah, going back you know, to it, it's, it's like, just it's like, like you know those. The thing. And that was, I think, a very like earth shattering, I'm hoping, wake up call for them of how quickly things can go terribly wrong. Right. And, you know, if you know you have a dog that has certain issues, how risky it is yep. to have them around children, yep. to put them in those compromising positions. Because, I mean, dogs biting kids that's a big deal. That is legally. That can be a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, thankfully, not to mention life threatening for for both absolutely. the dog and the kid. You know. Yeah, I mean, so. absolutely. So yeah. Thankfully, I mean, he he definitely had some puncture wounds and stuff. Thankfully, yeah. it wasn't too extensive. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he even had a sweatshirt on and a t-shirt, and it still and punctured it still through. through all of that. Yeah, um, it was wild. But <clears throat> those are, and it's unfortunate because he's been slightly nervous with dogs ever since. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Yeah. I, you know? And I think that's just part either. of being responsible is recognizing that, like, while you love your dog and maybe you don't want to crate them because you feel bad or maybe you don't want to train them because it makes you feel bad to have to correct them or maybe this, 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 this because it makes you feel bad, you can literally alter somebody else's entire experience through life. Yep. And create fear in somebody else because you just because felt you bad. Didn't look it. Yep. Yeah, because you, you didn't want to take the the time and the energy to train your dog properly. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. It's just a shame. And that's but. why training your dog as soon as possible <laughs> yes. to prevent yes. these things from happening because yes. you never know when it will. You know, or it's hard to say when it will. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, is super important. So oh, yeah, you just have to try to be and. Shit happens. Mistakes right. happen. I get it. I get it. Um, but if you have the knowledge that your dog has issues yep. <laughs> and you don't do anything about it, then that's that's a shame. Right. You know, you should definitely be trying to fix those things. Yep. And even if they don't have the issues, it's something good to still get on them and, and make sure that hopefully it, it won't become an, an issue. issue. Right. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. You know, there's one thing that I've noticed from working here is that you know I've come a lot better with I've become a lot better with just noticing the small things that can lead into the bigger things you know and I think that I I think it's I have become a lot quicker to realize it because I've worked here and stuff and I've been able to work through it so I've seen a lot of other different interactions in that situations and stuff Mm -hmm. but that's also something where you know obviously if you if you are having any sort of issues, reach out to a professional then, yes. you know, get their opinion, you know, and, and so that way you can get ahead of that curve because oh, yeah. I think that's another big thing why you want to train your dog as soon as possible is because you might not notice the major benefits that you are doing for the future mm-hmm. in the moment of it, but if you can be consistent about it then, then it will help you so much more in the future. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think another piece of it honestly and this is this is gonna be a very hot topic i'm about to (laughs) push a little bit of an unpopular opinion is that i think we need to stop shaming people for rehoming their dogs yes or get or like returning dogs to shelters or doing things like that because and here's the thing i'm not talking about like oh because they piss on the floor and you don't want to potty train them or you don't put the time and energy into it or they right. jump up or whatever, you know? Because it's your fault. Yeah, like things that obviously are easily fixed with just a little bit of dedication mm-hmm. and energy versus like personality parts of the dog that are right. not going to change. I, I think it's a lot of the reasons why we have so many unfortunate situations where a dog does something unspeakable is because people are shamed 
into feeling like they can't ever get rid of their dog. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like everyone creates such a bad stigma around like, oh, I couldn't believe it. Imagine just dropping your dog off at a shelter. Right. Or imagine just having a kid and then rehoming your dog because you don't want your dog anymore. You know, stuff like that where it's like, you don't know the situation, you don't know the dog, you don't know these right. people. Like that was probably the hardest mistake or decision that they ever had to make, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and I think that if we just stopped shaming people when a dog doesn't fit their lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately people have to come first. Exactly. The and children have to say. come I, first. I hope the owner or the parents would be like, yes, this dog has to go instead of like, yeah. you know, because yeah. of this kid or whatever, you know. So. Yeah. So it's like, and again, I'm not saying things that could obviously be mitigated with just some training. Right. But like, again, I think if you get to a point where you're like getting rid of your dog, it's probably because you've, you've exhausted all your options. Mm-hmm. Like you've tried pretty much everything and it's just unsafe. Yes. Or whatever yes. it might be, you know, because... Mm-hmm. It's just sad that, and, and it's usually the same group of people for the most part that, that get mad at people for like returning dogs or rehoming dogs that also say you can't use balanced training methods. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you can't have both. Yes. Either we need to allow people to get rid of a dog that is not safe to be in their lifestyle or you need to allow them to use punishment when training right. mm-hmm. because how else are they going to be successful with that dog? Exactly. You know? And it's, yeah, it's just, it comes to a point of responsibility, I think, you know, where it's, it's a hard decision, like you were saying, it's probably one of, like, the hardest decisions to make, but, yeah, they have to, they have to know that it's, it's for the best, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and again, yeah, like, if you're, if you're doing all you can, you know, I, I, I think, I, I agree with you, I think that, it shouldn't be the first option, you know, obviously, yeah. but but it shouldn't also be completely off the table either. Exactly. You know? Because then, and that's where like the whole shaming thing comes in, you know, where it's like they just, a lot of people just don't even see it as an option. They mm-hmm. just completely shut that option off. It is like they're, yep. they have to live with it, whether mm-hmm. that means the crate just, or the dog just lives in the crate its whole life or yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It's about quality like, of life with stuff too, right. you know, and it's yes. a whole thing. Yep. And like, and that, I mean, even goes into, like, not shaming people for going to, like, ethical, responsible breeders to get a predictable dog. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to, I think rescuing dogs is very admirable, and I think it's great that people do it, and I want people to do it. Yes. But you can't, you don't know what you're getting. You know, you have no idea. And, mm-hmm. and genetics are a very real, powerful thing. And you could get a dog, not really see who the dog really is for six to eight months because it's just still adjusting and settling in. And you could end up with a dog. Maybe you got a dog that you wanted to go. You're very active and you go hiking and backpacking and you want this dog to hike with you and everything. And you get a dog who is genetically terrified of everything. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Just major anxiety and everything like that. You know, it's like, well, that's not going to be fair to the dog because it's, terrified its entire life trying to do things that you want to do with it that you enjoy but like you can't really take it to do things you enjoy because it's terrified the whole time Mm -hmm. so that dog would probably be better off with somebody who likes to stay home and just hang out at home you know so I think even in situations like that where it's like it's just not a good fit for you you know I just don't think people should get shamed for trying to find a dog that they can enrich the dog's life because they enjoy doing the same things together. I agree. You know? Yep. Um, but beyond that, yes. we went far away from the kid topic. Yeah, we did. That's <laughs> that, was, that was still a good topic to, yes. to address, though. Yes, yes, but, yes. Um, going back to the responsibilities. Yes, but, right? But, yeah, it's... Um, is there anything else? What other, what other like, other big major? life changes? I mean, we hit, like, moving. We hit relationships. We hit... Babies about, and kids. What would you say about like kind of going back to the moving, like more long distance moving, you know, yeah. where you have to go like across state lines or something with the actual driving part or, or traveling part? What would mm-hmm. you say for that? You know, I would say if it's possible to tra- travel with your dog in a crate. Yeah. Okay. I have my dogs in a crate all the time, no matter what in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's the safest option. Yep. There's there's varying levels of things you can do when you travel with your dog in the crate, but 
um, or in the car, but crating is definitely the safest because they're contained. They're not going to be a projectile. <laughs> um, yeah, if yeah. unfortunately something happens. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I would definitely use the crate because, again, it's just that piece of familiarity for them. Mm -hmm. They're like, crate, I get that, I understand it. Yep. If you can't do the crate because maybe your dog's just too big and your vehicle isn't going to fit it or whatever the situation is, you can always get, like, those harnesses that you hook into the seatbelt mm -hmm. so they're a little bit safer. Um, and... Again, if your dog is good in the car and doesn't have a lot of anxiety, perfect. If your dog is stressed out in the car and does have a lot of anxiety, I typically have people just give them either like a sit or a down command and just hold them accountable for that. Just so that way um, they have something to focus on and they're not doing like the panting and the pacing and popping all around and gotcha. doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I've just never had to travel or anything travel that, that far. so I've never yeah so I was curious creating yeah obviously. yeah creating is a good option just makes them feel a little more safe and comfortable and everything mm -hmm. um and then when you would get to the new environment I think one thing we didn't maybe touch on was just like really being like overly strict with your boundaries in the new house and because I know that like obviously when you've lived somewhere a long time you've been able to kind of like you know, fix little boundaries here and there over mm -hmm. time to get your dog to where, like, they function very well in your house. Mm -hmm. And when you move somewhere entirely new, a lot of times we just think, like, oh, they're going to behave here the exact same way they behave at home. So we'll leave them unattended to go grab the laundry or get yeah. a shower or do stuff like that. And a lot of times the same stuff you could do with your dog before you're not going to be able to, right. at least for a little bit. Yeah, Because they're like, what in the world is this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so almost kind of going back to, like, puppyhood again where it's like either they're supervised or they're in the crate yeah and making sure that you're keeping an eye on everyone mm -hmm. and if and if you are strict like that you know it's it it's not going to make things worse mm -mm. you know it, uh, it even if they even if they are for whatever reason they do make a really good transition home or something like that you know mm -hmm. it's still going to be something where having those strict boundaries right off the bat is going to make sure that they're still good right exactly you see them clocking in and doing all this stuff okay, yeah, then we can start, re like, relaxing a little bit faster, but at least I know that you're good, right? Yes. As opposed to just assuming that they're good. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's, that's my, like, again, going back to, like, my biggest thing was, like, the marking. I know, like, that seems to be kind of, like, a yeah, problem some dogs, sometimes. Yeah, Where they just, like, they get back or whatever. They're, they're anxious, and they're in a new place, so they get scared and pee or they mark mm -hmm. and pee or whatever, you know, and so and this, that's more of just, like, an annoyance thing. Rather yeah. than like a yeah. an issue, I guess, but still just something to again keep a close eye on them in that situation. Yeah. But so really, I think to sum it all up. Yes. Regardless of what the life transition is, ideally you train your dog before any of these things are happening. Mm -hmm. Get ahead of the curve. Ideally, you're able to plan in a reasonable amount of time and start shifting things maybe in your current lifestyle with your dog to help the transition be more smoothly mm -hmm. once you do make that big change. Um, and then, I don't know, just be responsible. Yeah. <laughs> know your dog. Try, know your, yeah. dog. Yep. Um, know your dog. Try your best. Right. And um, ask for and help if you need it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, seek professional training help if you're not really sure how to go about doing things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are really good. 